guys. Welcome to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. Before we get going, I just want to recognize some of the sponsors that make this totally possible. These are good folks that we like to call friends, and we would be more than happy if you were to visit their sites and see just why they are so freaking awesome. First company is Black Rifle Coffee. Ah, can't talk. Black Rifle Coffee Company. Let's try this all over again. And uh, the good folks over at Black Rifle Coffee, they're over in Salt Lake City. They've been longtime supporters. We've been longtime supporters of them. And we love their stuff here at Fieldcraft Survival. Everything from the ready-to-drink uh, beverages to the K-cups that we put in our Keurig to the freshly ground coffee that we have at our retail store. We love our friends over at Black Rifle Coffee. So if you go to their website, blackriflecoffee.com, and use the coupon code CRAFT15, that will get you 15% off of your order. Uh, but that does exclude certain things like new releases, bundles, and some of those ready-to-drink coffees. So please check them out, blackriflecoffee.com. Another company that you might want to check out is Vertex, uh, vertex.com. Please use the coupon code FIELDCRAFT, and you're going to get 20% off of your order. Now, the folks over at Vertex, they've been in the game for a very, very long time, and they make awesome bags and packs, pants and shirts, pretty much everything that you could possibly need to get out into the great outdoors uh, or to the range and have all of your supplies at hand. Um, a lot of their bags are actually designed to hold ballistic panels, and a lot of their accessories are really awesome that work with the bags to hold all your spare mags and all your accessories. So. Go over to vertex.com, use the coupon code FIELDCRAFT, and you're going to get 20% off. The last sponsor before we get going with this podcast are the good folks over at KC Highlights. Now, we got back from Overland Expo not too long ago, but pretty much KC Highlights is still the industry standard. We saw them on all the vehicles. We had a vehicle over at the KC booth. We ate plenty of tacos at their industry party. Thank you, Casey Highlights. They were amazing. And, uh, you know, we're currently building vehicles uh, at Fieldcraft Survival that are all equipped with Casey Highlights. So if you guys go over to their website, which is caseyhighlights.com and use the coupon code Fieldcraft, you will get 10% off of your order. All right, folks, please check out those three companies, Black Rifle Coffee, Vertex, and Casey Highlights, and enjoy this podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin. On today with me is Zach Hughes. Zach, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well, thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it. You like the humidity in North Carolina? <laughs> I love North Carolina. I haven't been here since 2016. Yeah. And so, I, you know, it's a beautiful state. Not very many states. You have mountains on one side and the ocean on the yeah, other. There's not true. much to complain about, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no humidity now. It's gone down a lot. <laughs> you should have been here a month ago. So you were here... It's funny because we crossed paths a couple of years ago and uh, you're here because we're going to talk about mentorship. We're going to talk about how important mentors are. Um, but just just to get some context, give me a little a little quick backstory on you from when you were in college and from when you made the decision to go into the military. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually very interested in that and also why you got out and kind of where you are today and uh, the program that you run. So uh, this is going to be a good conversation, man. I'm looking forward to it because mentorship is hugely important to me. We just had a five-minute conversation. We We're did. like, damn, we should have turned on the recorder. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly how it yeah. went down. Um, it always happens like that. But uh, yeah, go. Yeah, sure. So I uh, grew up in Texas. I'm a Texas guy, Fort Worth. Um, high school, 9-11 happened when I was in 10th grade. 
And, you know, that was a profound moment in my life. My teacher wheeled in the television and he immediately started bawling because he was a Vietnam veteran. And he knew that, you know, really quickly that most of his children and most of his classes were going to, you know, have that burden and carry it just like he did. Mm -hmm. And it meant a lot to me. My grandfather was in World War II and I knew I always wanted to serve, kind of thought I wanted to be an army ranger when I was a kid. And my mom said, hey, listen, no, you need to go to college first. Uh, nobody in my family has a bachelor's degree. And that was like kind of her life dream. But my life dream was to go join the army uh, and be like my grandfather and my uncles who both served in Vietnam. And mom won uh, because I needed to go to college. And I think she was right about that. Mom always wins. Mom always wins. <laughs> and so I went to college and then I went to grad school. And finally, you know, I dragged my feet long enough and that itch kept, kept growing, kept growing. And I was like, okay, it's time for me to join the army. So I joined with an 18 x-ray contract. Went straight in, uh, basic how, how training. How old were you? I was 26. Okay. So 26 old years man. old. Old man. Old man. For, for the qualification I was 29 course. in basic. Were you? Yeah. And then a guy reached out to me on Instagram, like literally like two weeks ago. And he was like, hey, Pops, because they're all calling me Pops, you know? Because everybody else is 18, <laughs> right? That's exactly right. And now this guy's probably in his late, in his 40s or whatever. And I, I wrote him back and I said, 29 doesn't seem so old now, does it? He's like, it damn sure doesn't. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, they, it was kind of the same situation for me. Who's the old guy with a master's degree? You're in charge of basic training. Yeah. Like you're yeah. the platoon guy starting now. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay, that, that's yeah. me. I'll be yeah. that guy. And now it's interesting. They do, they kind of pull the, the special forces candidates together in basic training. It wasn't yeah. like that for me. I went with a bunch of National Guard guys who were purely 18 and 19 that just graduated high school. Mm -hmm. But now they kind of rope these dudes together. So it's a really? little bit more favorable from the beginning because you kind of get guys that are a little bit older. You mm -hmm. get guys that are 25, 26 years old, things like that. Um, and you mean to put them all in the same platoon? They do. Yeah, they try to. Well, they try to put them in the same platoon, the same just company in general, Yeah. Um, the same timeline. So they're all shipping at the same time. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah. you're kind of with these guys from the very beginning. And okay. I, I, w I wouldn't say that that's always happening, but they're definitely trying. And I have a lot of guys come back and tell me that that's what's going on. Mm, so it's exciting. So I finally, I finally joined the army. Um, after dragging my feet through college. Just just tell people what anything x-ray program is, just in case they don't know. Sure. So if you, you know, the, the beauty of the United States Army is if you want to come off the streets and become a Green Beret in Special Forces, you can sign what's called an 18 x-ray contract. And it says, as long as you meet these standard requirements and you, you know, you can sign the dotted line, you can basically show up to the Army and go through basic training as long as you don't pass, as long as you fail, excuse me, as long as you pass everything and you don't fail anything, you don't get hurt, you don't get injured, you don't quit, you ultimately become a Green Beret as long as you can show and demonstrate that you're going to be a good teammate. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. That's kind of how I landed through the Special Forces course. Mm -hmm. um, as I showed up to Special Forces selection, you know, successful there. And the first course that I went to afterwards is where we, we met, mm -hmm. WLC. Yeah. And that was... I would say January of 14, give or take a few months, uh, yeah. somewhere in that general timeline. I haven't really thought about yeah, it in I was a while. Just, I was just done with my team sergeant time, okay. third group, and I uh, needed another job. So it's kind of, you know, when you're in the military, especially when you're later in rank, you either you either path your own course or the army will damn sure path it for you, you know? <laughs> so you got to get ahead of it and go, what do I want to do next? And I'm like, when you're done with your team sergeant time, there's not a lot of good jobs, right? A lot of staff stuff. And, and, and so I was like, hmm. This first sergeant job, right? Yeah, uh, with that that warrior leader course, which is young NCOs from soft, right? And I, I don't know if it was all the eighteen series when you went, but it, later it became. Uh, we had some psyops guys, I yeah, civil affairs and psyops, mm -hmm. yeah. So it um, it interested me because if you can get people early enough and 
kind of mentor them and show them what a green beret is supposed to be like, um, you, you can put their path on a good trajectory uh, forward and, and uh, they'll, they'll emulate that. So that's why I took that job. That's why I interviewed for it and got it. And uh, we, we can talk about that whole thing later if you want. Well, I think it's important for me to, to tell everybody right now that, that that's exactly what you did. I mean, when I showed up at WLC, you were our first sergeant. And, you know, the immediate reaction of seeing you walk in, command the room, handle it. That's our first interaction with Green Berets. It's that WLC, right? Warrior Leadership Course or Basic Leaders Course. And seeing you command us right off the bat was life-changing for me. It really was. I'm not even bullshitting. I was super excited about it. You came out and crushed us in a 12-mile ruck run, our entire class. I think it was mm-hmm. probably 100 and something guys. I don't, I don't remember. I was 45. You, you were 45. <laughs> yes. See, and I, I know to be honest, I was so mad. I was not just mad for myself, but I was mad for our team. And I was like, you guys, if this dude, he's the first sergeant, he's older. He's probably, I, we kind of heard your story from other people about how you were in special operations in another place, but we didn't know exactly what, what it was. Mm-hmm. You know, we were young bucks, just mm-hmm. like wide eyed and bright, you know, here's a green beret doing mm-hmm. it. But the fact that you crushed us in that ruck run and you had really just sound mentorship all the way around. You kind of knew what you were talking about and you you were very discipline oriented with us. It fired me up from the very beginning. And I, I, I truly believe that not only can mentorship change people, but the mentorship that you provided me then without even knowing it. And I tell people this story all the time. I'm very open with it. Mm. And we're going to talk about it tomorrow as well. That put me on a trajectory to do the best that I possibly could in the qualification course. And when we graduated at the very end, I was our class valedictorian for the Echoes. And there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that if, I had a different first sergeant in WLC that maybe wasn't as polished or wasn't as good of a, a representation of what a special forces warrior should be. I don't think that would have happened. And yeah. so while we're here, I just want to thank you. Yeah, no problem, man. It, it, it's it's a uh, it's it's a pleasure, and and it's great that there was a there was a kid that was in a kid because you're all kids to me. But there was a kid that was in. Uh, third group and he was uh on a team and his team sergeant was a friend of mine mm. and he was like yeah there was this irish guy in freaking wlc he was and he he didn't know that i he knew me you know it was, it was funny but there was a lot of things that happened in the back side of that whole piece that i had already fixed or was in the pro- process of fixing because mm. you get young you get young e7 instructors who uh, sometimes they'll hold students to the standards they can't they can't achieve themselves right mm. um and basically if you show somebody the, the, the right path it's human nature they'll take it like and one of the best uh, phrases i've ever seen i've ever heard i think it was uh one of my mentors, Brian Edwards, who's the regiment CSM, he said, be the Green Beret you signed up to be. There it you is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you're on a team and you're you're turning into a bit of a turd, right? And, and there's good and bad everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. That, that you know, is that what you signed up to be? Is that the Green Beret you signed up to be? But when I firmly believe when, when students come, they come through basic AIT, Airborne school selection. Then they came to me, right? So you've been in the army a year, maybe. You know, That's about they, right. they, yep. they need to see what right looks like, right? So I, I'd already fixed things. I, I, you will your uniform. You will do this. You will do this. And and I, I sat everybody down, fourteen instructors, and I said, okay, look, here's what I've observed because I shadowed a class. I'm gonna kill it unless you can explain to me why we keep it. And uh, students have to run everywhere. 
okay, why are they doing that? Well, that's what they do in selection. We're not at selection, gone. You know, students have to do this, gone. Students have to do this. And then, well, this is why. Okay, I didn't think of that. We'll keep that and move on, right? And I just went down the line like that. And uh, I pulled guard. I mm. pulled, not guard, but we always had to have uh, instructors there. So I was I was there on the weekends. I pulled as much duty as anybody else. Um, and, and one thing I did that really helped a lot was I... Uh, when I got there, the peer evals were done at the end of the course, right? Well, if I get peer evals from from 100 students or whatever at the end, of it, it's just too late for me to help them, right? So we did, I don't know if you remember, we did peer evals every Friday, right? And the first Friday you would always get, because you don't really know each other, but you'd get, That's and true. all I wanted was top three, bottom three. All the guys in the middle, I don't really care about, right? Top three, bottom three, because I want to see who the rock stars were and I want to see who the guys were struggling. And the first weekend, you'd always get the bottom three. The comments would be, he's very quiet. He's very introverted. Um, he doesn't speak to people. And I would pull them in my office. I'd pull the good guys in and I'd be like, you're, you're crushing it, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Mentor young people. Help them out, right? And then the, the, the guys who were at the bottom, I'd pull them in and I'd say, look, personally, I'd rather have a quiet guy on my team than a loud mouth who never shuts the hell up, you mm. know? However... You're in a job or you're, you're moving towards a job where you kind of got to be outgoing. You yeah, got to brief people. You've got to be kind of, you kind of be authoritative. You can't be an inter. It's very difficult to, to, to control, to go up there and brief a group commander or a, a division commander in, in, in the 82nd. And, and 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 convince them about how your team can do this if you're kind of introverted, you know what I mean? So you have to try and come out of your shell. And generally they would. They wouldn't be on the piers the next weekend mm. because the, the, the people who deserve to be at the bottom would have shown themselves by then. And these kids, a lot of them just grew up and being very quiet, right? But being able to, to catch that early enough that they, they fixed it going, you know, towards the rest of it, it really did help them, you know? Um so there was a lot of stuff done on the backside that uh, you guys never saw. No, I was mopping the floor one night and like there was like 10 students walking past and they were looking at me and I was like, you never seen a first sergeant mop the floor? And they're like, no. <laughs> Especially not at that point in your military yeah, career, right? Yeah, you just been yeah. yelled at by first sergeants yeah. pretty much. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys, we're just going to interrupt this podcast just for a second to bring us another one of our sponsors and that is Athletic Greens. Now, I've been using Athletic Greens for a very long time. Uh, I've been using it on the road. I've been, you know, using it when I travel to do different appearances or, you know, teach and I can't have like a, a normal diet. Um, it's often very difficult to get your, your, your daily greens when you're in and out of airports and you're on the road looking for a restaurant that doesn't look like it's going to give you any health problems. So, uh, I'm a big fan of Athletic Greens. I start off every single day with them. And I find that when I take Athletic Greens, it kind of satiates my appetite until lunch. And it helps with, you know, weight loss and maintaining, uh, you know, good health on the road. So if you guys go to athleticgreens.com in forward slash fieldcraft, you will get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your free first purchase. Um, Basically, you're going to be buying Athletic Greens in a bundle that will last for about a month, um, and it's just one scoop every single morning. Super easy, super quick to uh, to prepare, and it's going to get you throughout every single day. It's awesome stuff, tastes great, and like I said, I've been using it for quite some time. So please check them out, athleticgreens.com forward slash fieldcraft. So you went to WLC. How was the Q course for you? I loved it. Uh, what name was? 
Echo. So 18 Echo. It's Went a tough the, one, man. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was a definitely a tough one. It was also the last one that I wanted. Uh, I wanted all the other ones first. I wanted to be a Delta. That's generally how it works. Bravo, Charlie. Yeah. And yeah. they gave me Echo. Yeah. And then, you know, back then the Q course was a little bit different. But after Sears school, they came to me and they were like, hey, do you want to go be a Delta now? And I was like, well, no. I mean, that's another nine months now yeah. to go through Sockham. Mm-hmm. And I've already, I'm about to go to MOS now. I can see the runway. Like yeah. we're, we're so close to graduating. Mm-hmm. And guys were going to Afghanistan right after. Mm-hmm. I had friends from basic training that were Rangers. And they were already in Afghanistan yeah. because the Q course takes a while. The Rangers so do it a little differently. Mm. They go through a little bit of training and get on the team and then are out. on a, in a platoon. And then they get trained there, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so, you know. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. We met some of the best friends that I'll ever have throughout mm-hmm. the qualification course and kind of turned into what really a man, yeah. um, even at 26 years old, like life hadn't taken me down a route like that ever. You, mm-hmm. you can't find anything like that anywhere else in the world. And I truly believe that. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. meeting you, having experiences like I did from great men kind of pivoted who I was going to be mm-hmm. within those two years. There's no doubt about it. Mm. Yeah. There's something that, and of course it's not all great and it's not all it's not all hard. It's not all easy. And, mm. and, and not everybody you meet is freaking really, really good at what they do. But it, it, they do capture something. They do something right. And, and they do build leadership, right? Because that, that's the thing. Like in the corporate world, a lot of people move up in their little bubble. Mm. And then all of a sudden they're in charge. But they've had no leadership training, right? In, in the military, you're a leader from almost day one, right? Hey, that's you have right. a college degree. You're in charge, you're in right? Charge, yeah. yeah. Um, but the, the military do that. And when you build it slowly like that, the foundation is so solid that it really does carry you through the rest of your life. And I, I think the military do that really, really well. They build leaders very well. You know, and I think that if you're going to go through something like that, you've got to be pretty optimistic about yeah. yourself, about the people around you. You're going to see turds, right? To mm-hmm. air as human, right? We've got bad police officers, we've got bad humans, we've got bad green berets. Mm-hmm. It's just the reality of it. Mm-hmm. And so going through the course, you've got to stick to the positivity. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did with you. And that's mm-hmm. what I did with a few other guys moving forward. Mm-hmm. And it was just exactly what I needed. And so it's that's what I focused easy. on. Yeah, it's very easy to get pulled into the negativity. And then you just get, you're, you're part of the problem then at that point, that's right? A fact. Um, a, a, a guy on a team, I'll tell you from experience, who knows nothing but complain all the time, it's like a virus. Mm-hmm. And it takes everybody else down with them. And uh, yeah, you can't be that guy and you can't tolerate that guy. I fired a guy from my team for that when I was a team starting, right? So, um, so you graduate, what group do you go to? So graduated, went straight to seventh group. Okay. Showed up at seventh group, uh, 2016 is when I graduated. Mm-hmm. We were pretty much headed to Afghanistan within a few months. Mm-hmm. Um, seventh see. group's a little hidden gem, man. It is. People it's don't beautiful. realize like how nice it is down there. It's beautiful. I yeah. think it's the best army base we have in the United States, honestly. Because it's an Air Force base. Right? Yes, yeah, it's, it's not an army base. <laughs> you know, it's our own yeah. compound. There's nothing else there. It's support mm-hmm. staff. It's in a beautiful area of the, of the nation. Yeah. There's no, there's no yeah. flag. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of downfalls also, right? That we say being positive, but you know, you you're also on a range that's owned by the Air Force, and yeah. so you got to play for with Air Force rules on mm-hmm. your range. And you got there's some hoops you got to go through as well. Yeah, but you know. And you're also not in, in a in an urban area, so there's mm-hmm. no big cities, and so a lot of people have their their wives have issues finding jobs because their yeah. careers don't translate to rural America, mm-hmm. and so you know there's there's pluses and minuses. Um, but I was very fortunate to be there, in my opinion. Mm, yeah. Um, so you went to Afghanistan first. So went to Afghanistan first. I was actually the well, let me get this right the most junior. Green Beret in Afghanistan at the time in terms really? of time and service oh, because yeah. I cruised through the Q course unbroken, right? Um, hadn't spent a lot of time in the Army. I was in E5 still. Mm. The Army says you've got to be in, I think, three and a half years before you can make it to E6. And as you know, 
you know, there's E6 and E7 billets only on a team, but mm -hmm. if you're in E5, you're in E5. Mm -hmm. And so the entire deployment we spent for six months, I was still in E5. Yeah, but nobody knew it because you nobody had no knew rank it. on nobody and, and you're, you're a little older, right? So you're not well, like- that's, that's that's a little bit different, yeah. yeah. So I didn't, get, I didn't get messed with as much either because no. I had a master's degree. Yeah. You know, yeah. as our class valedictorian for the Echoes, like I kind of had it together for the most mm -hmm. part. Definitely still got some shit as the new guy, well, but it was it, a little bit different. It's probably, it's probably more joking than, right. than you know, and, and there's a- there's value in that, right? The, when you're a little old, and people ask me, oh, am I too old to go? I'm 29. I'm like, dude, I went to basic in 20, I'm 29, <laughs> right? And, and you know, age is just a number, right? But when you're older, you're more mature and you're more trusted. Like you just are. It's you know, a fact. Like, you, and, and the X-ray program, program has, it has pros and cons, right? You get a guy very young and you have him for a long time and he'll probably be the regiment CSM because mm -hmm. he's been in, like Brian Edwards, I mentioned earlier, he was the regiment CSM. He was an 18 X-ray. And 32 years in soft, like That's all the way to the yeah. top, right? So there, there's pros and cons, excuse me, to it. Um, so how, many, how long were you in Afghanistan? Six months. So we we, uh, we got there December of 16. So Christmas Eve, Obama yeah. was the president. And yeah. then we were there when President-elect Trump took over mm -hmm. in February. Um, and then we left in May. So what did you, where, where were you in? So we were, we, you know, our original mission when Obama was there was high value targets uh, mm -hmm. for the Taliban. And we kind of pivoted when Trump took over and we went to the Eastern side of Afghanistan for the ISIS mission, mm -hmm. Nangahar, those valleys like okay. in that area. What, what was your overall uh, experience? Uh, I loved it. Yeah. Um, you know, it was great watching the cabinet switch was an interesting situation mm -hmm. for me. You know, the country changes here, but also in combat, you know, things change when, when the presidents mm -hmm. change. It was, it was a massive difference. Yeah. Um, the rules was, of engagement change? Rules of engagement change. You know, the mission changed. Mm -hmm. um, he kind of moved us from specifically our company from high value targets to ISIS. Mm -hmm. That was, that's a common name today due to some recent events. But back then that wasn't as, as big of a situation and we weren't attacking them at all. Mm. And so he kind of switched the script and said, hey, go, go get those guys. Do you have a partner for us? We had a partner for us, mm -hmm. yeah. We were with the PSU. Uh, and then when we fell in on- What's the PSU? That's the, uh, kind of like their, their, mil their uh, like local law enforcement. Mm -hmm. So they're one of their bottom tiers, I would say, in terms mm -hmm. of soft. Mm -hmm. uh, that challenging? A little bit challenging, a little bit challenging, definitely. <laughs> Did the Q course prepare you for it? I would say that the people around me prepared me yeah. for it. I don't know that necessarily the Q course prepared I, I, me for I the you, partner I, force I, part. I, I tell you, the um, the Q course, again, does something. Robin Sage does something where they instill that building rapport, training people respect, cultural awareness. They do something because I've seen other forces who can't do it. They just don't get it. I was just having a conversation about Robin Sage with the SEAL commander yesterday. Mm -hmm. And he was telling me how, how long he was on Robin Sage because it teaches guys how to build rapport and it, a basic understanding of FID yeah, that it does. other forces don't have. They don't get it. And, I, and it's if you go out there to Robin Sage, which just so everybody knows, that's kind of the final exam to become a Green Beret. You've got to pass this thing called Robin Sage. If you go out there and you blow it with the G chief, who's like your partner force that mm -hmm. you're trying to train, you're going to be out. Mm. Like if you do something catastrophic, you're done. I mean, that's that's the beauty I think of Robin Sage for Green Berets mm. is because when you go and you have to work by, with, and through this indigenous population and overseas, you understood the same lessons that you got from Robin Sage. Yeah. And so I think from a general standpoint, I definitely was prepared. But the guys around me had done that job so much. Yeah. You know, I had my team sergeant was had been doing this for quite a while mm -hmm. and I was blessed to have him just on top of it automatically. Yeah. And so I learned more from him probably in the first few weeks of our deployment mm -hmm. than I learned in Robin Sage about the tactics of what to do. But I understood the importance from Robin Sage and mm. I understood the stakes were very high. Yeah. The, the, the cultural awareness stuff like the, the, there's cultures in the world and, and the Middle East is very, very true that 
they don't respond to negative reinforcement. You can't yell at them. You you very positive reinforcement, very encouraging, very hey, softer. we're the same, that softer approach. And, and you can look at it like I'm doing what I need to do to get you to do what I need you to do, right? I, I like it's it's. But some people just don't get it, man. They think yelling and screaming is the way to go, and it's counterproductive. They'll do nothing for you, you know. Was your team sergeant a good team sergeant when you got there? He was. He was okay. a good team sergeant. Yeah, he had Again. he was pretty squared away. He had his stuff together. He had been in the military for quite a while. He was an infantry guy before Ranger mm-hmm. tabbed eighty second, okay. multiple deployments during the surge, and he was a good human. Yeah. Um, so, you know, everybody at that level has got a bunch of deployments realistically, mm-hmm. but he was a good guy and he, yeah. he kind of squared us away pretty, pretty early on. We had, we had a young team actually. Yeah. Um, I was middle of the pack in terms of age, but we had a few guys that were 22 yeah. 20, or 23, 25, um, that had been there for about four months before me. And mm-hmm. so when we got there, he kind of looked around and was like, we need some older guys mm-hmm. like immediately. And so mm-hmm. he brought in some other guys from other areas to kind of help lead us. Yeah. And I think that was big for the team because we didn't have a lot of senior guys on the team originally. Mm-hmm. When I was a team sergeant, everybody on my team was an E7. See, that's that's amazing. The SIF, that's right? amazing. The oh, SIF. that's right. That's right. Everybody was Sephardic. Everybody was Sodic. Ah, I can't half imagine. Of them, everybody was free fall. Half of them were free fall jump masters. The problem is... When the SWIC levy come down, I lose half my team. Oh, yep. You I can know? see that. Because they're super senior guys, but it was easy. Like there was no, all I, all I had to do was guide them, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and uh, yeah, they, they were, they were rock stars. You know, the good thing about, for the most part, junior Green Berets like myself and some of these guys I'm talking about is we, we were, we were ready. Right. Mm-hmm. The Q course prepares you for that. Two and a half years of training, yeah. getting beat down and understanding that like stakes are high. Yeah. And so when you get there, if you're kind of a scumbag that's not going to learn things quickly, you're going to get exposed very yeah. fast. Yeah. And you know, we didn't you, have that. You always get these older guys. They're like, oh, when I went through, it was horror, right? It's not true. Like I saw this at WLC. Guys going, going through in your, your generation or whatever, they're fitter. They're smarter. They have absolutely no misunderstanding of what they're getting into. Like, because after 9-11 and after that whole, um, like, the, the, like 2004 or 2003 to 2000, that, that, like, in, in, I was in Iraq a lot. And in mm. 2007, we were losing the war in Iraq. Like, we were, everybody knew it, right? So, young guys coming in as Green Berets in, 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 in that time and afterwards, they had no illusion of what they were getting into, right? So, um, the it, the only thing is like I spent spent six years in the infantry before I went to that, but that was forced on me because I wasn't a U.S. citizen. I had a way to get citizenship, right? So I was an E six in the infantry. That's such a wild story. Yeah, when I went in, no, uh, but I'd also then seven years in the Irish Army, right, mm-hmm. and, and all the other stuff. So, um, the you know when you come in, if you have that base in the infantry, it does help you a lot. But it, you 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 sink or swim as an eighteen X-ray man, you you will. Gain and keep your reputation very quickly in SF. Mm-hmm. And if it's bad, it's going to haunt you. Would you, would you agree with that? I absolutely agree with that. <laughs> it's it, a small it, community, right? Yeah, and so if, especially yeah. if you make big mistakes. Yes. If you make mistakes that are correctable and you're like, okay, I got to I shoot, shoot better. And you admit it. Or I gotta, right? Yeah, and you mm-hmm. admit it and you learn, you kind of move forward. Mm-hmm. But if you have to make some integrity mistakes or oh, you yeah. make some like human mistakes, yeah. that you're not going to let that yeah. down. And you know, if a guy comes here and wants to work for me here in Fullcraft, with two phone calls, I can find out everything about him. Mm-hmm. Like it's that. That's smaller mm-hmm. community. Yeah, it's funny. And that's the way it should be, I think. Did you guys lose anybody? We did. We lost Mark, Dale and Carr yeah. from our company um, yeah. on April 8th, 2017. And that was, you know, fighting ISIS. Uh, Mark started his special forces career in my class in 296. We weren't great friends, but he started in my class originally. Yeah. He spent some time as 11 Bravo before. Mm-hmm. And four and a half days after Mark's death, uh, President Trump authorized the Moab bomb in retaliation of kind of what was going on over mm-hmm. there. And so that yeah. was a direct reflection of, 
Mark's team in that scenario kind of going pretty south. Yeah. Was that, that was 14? That was 17. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, April 8th oh, yeah, of 2017. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I was in, uh, the last time I was in Afghanistan was 14 and I was sitting in, in, uh, the soft base there in, in Bagram and I was eating uh, breakfast and the TV was there. I'm sure you've seen it. It has a, a reel of all the guys who've ever been killed in combat, right, in, in SF. And I was just sitting there and I was like, oh, I, you know, it caught my eye. I know him. And then a, a minute later, I was like, oh, I was on the Q course with him. And then another one, I was like, oh, I was there when he died. I put him in the helicopter, you know, and then another one and another one and another one. I, I, I sat there awestruck for 20 minutes but how many guys I knew mm. from Iraq, Afghanistan, from the Q course, from sniper school, from Sephardic, from all these schools I'd been to over the last, you know, 18 years. And uh, I, it's shocking how many guys you, you've crossed. I didn't know them all well, but right. I crossed paths with them, you know. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's tough. A, it's a small community. And, mm-hmm. and the years that we're talking about, you know, special forces was kind of taking the blunt of a yep. lot of that. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. That's exactly what was happening yeah. for quite a number with, of years. With very strict rules of engagement. That's true very as well. Very strict. That's yeah. true as well. You um, know, I, you mentioned Mark. I'd love to tell you a quick story about yeah, Mark, please. if you don't mind. Yeah. I think that it's important to share. I just want to get this out. Um, Mark was a big family man, and he kind of did the math on our deployment and found out that we would be back before his daughter's graduation from high school. And mm-hmm. so he'd made that promise to his daughter that he'd make it back for her high school graduation. And, you know, obviously he didn't, which is why we're talking about it now. But one of the most one of the largest highlights of my time in the military was a decision by our commander that Mark can't make it back for his daughter's high school graduation. And so all of us are. And so 80 plus Green Berets went to his daughter's high school graduation on the field in Niceville, Florida, right Mm -hmm. outside of seventh group. And when she crossed the stage, we all gave this massive yell and like, we were, we were incredibly present. And even for a second, she was super happy. And that was a special moment for Mm -hmm. the regiment and for us and that family, most important and I just want to kind of put that out mm-hmm. there because it was great. And that was one of those moments where you look back and you're like, that's that's the kind of reason that I joined Special Forces. Yeah. That's the reason that I put myself around your, guys like yourself that are great mentors and just a testament of who we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And that commander that did that was 100% the same person. Yeah. It was, a, it, was a, it was a great moment for us. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, so you come back. Uh, did you did you deploy again or no so come back i got a little banged up on the deployment so come Mm -hmm. back i had a knee surgery that i had to do some other surgeries in my lower body that were going on and things kind of took a south turn for me Mm -hmm. Uh, i had multiple knee surgeries had multiple urethra surgeries from things that happened and just started getting beat up i started having some issues in my hip and they were like started to look at my hip and things were going south quick and finally they were like listen zach you know i don't i don't know if this is going to work out for you uh, I spent nine months on crutches in 2017, and then I went back to a few hospitals. That's I just, hard. I just kept, mentally, was, mentally, that's it, hard. It's interesting yeah. you bring that up because yeah. mentally it well, because, was a struggle. Because I will tell you, I used to run eight miles a day yep. every single day, and I ran the five miler with you guys too, and I crushed a lot of you. Y- yes, you I, did. I, not me on the five miler. <laughs> did but I not beat you? You did not beat me on the yeah. five miler. I remember because I was so mad about the rock, yeah. but you definitely crushed me on the rock. Yeah, the the. Uh, but I got to the point where I couldn't run. My calf spasm locked up every time I ran. So I, I went from, to me, it was like therapy. Running was like therapy yes. that was taken Same. away overnight and I couldn't run anymore. And it had a brutal effect on me. Yep. And when you're at that level and all of a sudden you're not, the, the mental 
trauma is worse than the physical trauma. That's, that's yeah. sort of what happened to me, but it happened slow. It wasn't yeah. something automatic. It was like I got a knee surgery, which is from meniscus, right? Yeah. Not a big deal. We'll yeah. fix it. That surgery failed. Mm-hmm. And so then we had to do it again. And then it, that failed and we had some issues. And then my, my hips started flaring up and they started looking at it and they're like, well, we need to do some cortisone shots in there. And so mm-hmm. then that never got better. Uh, and then ultimately they're like, hey, you've got this condition called avascular necrosis. Basically your hip's dying. I damaged the one blood vessel that goes into my hip. And if you do that, your hip just starts decaying. Mm. And it's the same injury that kind of ended Bo Jackson's career. Mm. A lot of uh, car accident victims that get sideswiped or T-boned, blunt force trauma in their hip, things like that, they they have the same issue. And so for whatever reason, uh, the deployment, maybe the cortisone injections that were a little too many, um, this thing happened to me. And I had to, I spent actually, I'm still dealing dealing with it. I've got a hip replacement next month. Uh, last year, I spent nine and a half months on crutches again, trying to stop that necrosis. Yeah. But it was a slow trickle. It wasn't something that like we got back from the deployment and mm-hmm. I knew I was out of the military. Mm-hmm. It was like little gates here and there. That's and just worse. started slowing down. That's worse. And I, so the, it, it just I, drags I had, it oh, out. Right? Yeah. I had a big identity crisis because yeah. I was I was in good shape. You know, I was mm-hmm. running five miles in 34 minutes. I was mm-hmm. trying to get after it. The, you know, I had a good mentor early on in WLC mm-hmm. that said, hey, be faster than these guys. Yeah. And so I took that to heart. And so it was rough for me. Um, but, you know, as I pivoted out, I found a new mission. Yeah. Uh, and that's what's it's always important. important. All right, guys, we're just going to interrupt this podcast one last time uh, and bring you one of our sponsors, and that is Bespoke Post. Now, this is one of those subscription boxes that you might find pretty damn interesting because we've had some of the cool stuff come through here. And everyone's like, well, what exactly is in these boxes? Well, we've had beer making kits come through here. Uh, We've had, you know, some of our guys that have some pretty impressive beards. Uh, We've had them take a look at the boxes that are all about like the the beard grooming game. We've had the boxes come through here that have uh, all the different ways that you can make like awesome breakfast, you know, with pancakes and French toast and all sorts of stuff like that. So the folks over at Bespoke Post, uh, what they do is they give you these really awesome boxes filled with things that, you know, you'll just find interesting. And each box costs only 45 bucks, um, but there's usually over $70 worth of stuff inside. And they like supporting small businesses. So they bring you those small businesses in the different boxes that they have on their site. So if you guys go to their site, which is boxofawesome.com, which is a pretty damn accurate website for what you're getting boxofawesome.com use the coupon code fieldcraft you'll get 20 percent off of your first box like i said we've seen some cool stuff come through uh, our door whether that's beer making beard trimming and maintenance and all that uh gardening stuff if that's what you're into and uh, some breakfast stuff so i think you're gonna enjoy it check them out boxofawesome.com use the coupon code fieldcraft 20 percent off there you go It's important, right? Because they uh, guys go, they they identify with the military so long, like this guy, right? Freaking off and on for 35 years, right? But when I got out, I had somewhere to go, feel crap, right? It's almost like a team. It's, uh, I I, I had a new pivot and a new mission to to go. Like I I, I always discourage guys because you go at 100 miles an hour for 25, 30 years and they get out and they're like, well, I'm just going to take a couple of months off. And I think it's a bad idea. I need need you just, I think you just need to get at the same pace, get after a different mission and and, and pivot and go, go hard. Right. Because that's what you've been doing. It's too much of a culture shock when you're going hard for 30 years, 25 years, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden 
you're sitting watching Netflix every day and then you pour alcohol on top of it and it just yeah. makes it so hello, much hello worse. darkness, hello sadness. Yes. That's coming. It's, that's it's, coming for you. It's that loss of sense of purpose, right? That's exactly what it is. And mm-hmm. that's well said. So for me, I was lucky. Um, I was going through surgeries. They told me I was getting out of the military, but I had a bunch of surgeries I had to do. So I had some runway. Mm. I probably had a year, a year plus um, before I knew I was getting out, but I had to finish these surgeries first. So I did what Google told me to do and started LinkedIn. I uh, mm-hmm. started reaching out to nonprofits, try to look for help. And I found one that kind of stuck with me uh, called Elite Meet. And I started working for them as a volunteer and worked my way into a job very similar, it sounds like, to you at Fieldcraft. Mm-hmm. I kind of had a spot waiting for me as soon as I left the military mm-hmm. as a director of operations for this nonprofit that was scaling. Okay. And it was it was perfect because I found a mission yeah. and I had something that I could dive into and I had to work hard because we were trying to grow it. And so it wasn't the couch and the Netflix yeah. and thinking about the surgeries and how I can't run anymore. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not an athlete, basically. Mm. It was work hard, fix this, mm-hmm. pivot this, grow this. Mm. And so, you know, just like you're saying, that was that was huge for me because it was the right timing. I had yeah. another mission to dive right into. Mm-hmm. It, might have, it might have freaking saved you, you know? It's a possibility, yeah. Um, so tell me what, what they do, what so you elite, do. Elite mm-hmm. Meet uh, is a nonprofit organization that takes transitioning special operators and try to put them in corporate America. And so it started off with a former Navy SEAL and a Wall Street banker. Uh, they kind of got in the room and he brought his banking friends and he brought his SEAL friends and they said, well, we can hire you guys. And then it kind of exploded. I was a wave two guy that came in, uh, hired in as the director of operations and then subsequently the COO. And we took guys that were transitioning from special operations and put them in the room with guys who wanted to hire people. Mm -hmm. Mom and pop shops across the nation, you know, operators that are trying to go into business or lead teams. Private equity started scooping up our guys as fast as possible Mm -hmm. because that business model basically come in here and lead this thing, manage these people. We'll teach you the industry. Mm -hmm. And it was great. You know, it was was cool. It was actually very humbling Mm -hmm. to work for an organization like that because I spent six years in the army Mm -hmm. and a lot of guys like yourself transition out 25 years, 30 years plus done just incredible stories. And I was the COO of our company. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, it was a stretch, right? And I think being a Green Beret was a stretch. Being an entrepreneur is a stretch. You know, we always got a stretch, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was, I was uncomfortable a lot because guys were coming in that, had some issues or sometimes I had to discipline dudes or I had to try to help them. And just, I was in awe of our community almost every month, Mm. almost every week, because there was guys coming in from the SEAL populations, all these different pockets of special operations and and even higher that were just going into these great jobs. It was exciting for me. It was a really exciting time uh, Mm. to be able to see people pivoting out and winning. Right. It's exciting. Sense of accomplishment, right? Sense of accomplishment. That, that, you know, I've said this before, I, I, I'm I'm not motivated by money. I'm motivated by accomplishment, right? I'm motivated by getting stuff done and across the finish line, right? Checkpoints. So what what are the traits that guys have that you sell to these corporations? Like what what are the some of the capabilities that, that is hard to find out there normally? You know, what I found time and time again is that companies wanted to hire someone that could come in and own whatever they're doing. Yeah. Like number one. Like with yeah remove everything else. They wanted a guy that can come in and basically pretend like this is his company yeah. and that's his lane. And he will devote himself to that one lane in perpetuity. And mm-hmm. they found that with our guys mm-hmm. and they, they thought that they could consistently find that with our guys. And they still do. I'm, I'm not working for elite meet anymore. I stepped down last year, but they're still great success and they're mm-hmm. still cruising along. We hired a new C-suite team. And the same thing as being true, what they find time and time again is that special operators that come out of the military understand that they can fall in here and they'll just figure it out and they'll mm-hmm. own it. They won't look for you to make decisions. They'll absolutely, they'll make right decisions. They'll make wrong decisions, mm-hmm. but they'll be their decisions. And I think that that's what a lot of businesses need. They need mm-hmm. guys that can come in and just fill a void 
and not ask for permission, mm-hmm. but like find their own culture and just own it. Mm, that's all. Yeah, that's interesting. The uh, So you pivoted out. So what do you do now? So uh, Elite Meat up until last year, uh, early on inside of Elite Meat, uh, the founder of Elite Meat and I started another organization called Operators Association. Very in tune with the mentor subject that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, we found that there was a lot of young men and women that wanted to go into special operations, but maybe were too timid or didn't know how to do it or were lost. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, when I decided to be a Green Beret, there was no information. Uh, mm-hmm. It was just like, there's some books, uh, YouTube kind of launched, but nobody was out there talking about their time in. Uh, it was kind of a cliche thing. And so I didn't have any information. I just sent it. Mm. And so what we found was there was a lot of young men and women that would be able to be incredible Green Berets and Navy SEALs if they just knew what it was, if they just knew that it's doable, if they just knew that guys like us that are normal did it by working hard and following other people. Do you think Do you think that they, they overthink it and they think it's like unattainable? Uh, because sometimes I talk to people and I'll be like, dude, stop. It's not that hard. Right. It's really not. And then I feel bad. I'm like, well, it's easy for me to say it's behind yeah, me, true. right? That's but fair. um I mean, I, I, I think the answer is yes. Yeah. yeah, I think that, but it's a lot of other things as well. But I think that that's the biggest thing. But it's also the fear of the unknown, right? Yeah. And so if you've never met a Green Beret before in your life, you know, all my friends are normal dudes, right? Mm-hmm. They made problems. They, they did, had bad decisions in their lives and good decisions in their lives. But this one thing they did really well at and they finished it. And so if you've never met a guy like that, then, and I speak from experience because I hadn't when mm-hmm. I joined as an x-ray, um, you know, you don't know. Mm. And so we kind of, we, we widen the aperture on that and make sure that we put some guys ahead of them and let them know what it is. And we mentor them through the process, things like that. Mm-hmm. So the course that you're running this weekend here mm-hmm. in North Carolina, tell me about that. So last year, last December, we started our own prep course. Uh, this business for about, about two years had been essentially virtual, um, podcasts, live streams, one-on-one mentorship with dudes that are in the course, things mm-hmm. like that. And I took a I took a look at it last year and decided we needed to start doing events. And so in Texas, we started these prep events. I brought in a few Navy SEALs, a few MARSOC guys, a few Green Berets as cadre. We put on a prep course. And I started with the first class was free and we didn't know what we were doing. I put a slap together a POI that I thought was going to be favorable for young men that were interested and brought it, you know, as many of our members as possible that wanted to attend. Mm. And 45 guys showed up. And so I was like, okay, we got something. Mm-hmm. Uh, now let's make sure and dial it in so we can get these guys where they need to be. And so throughout last year, that's exactly what we did. We dialed it in as much as possible. And um, a, a good friend of mine from from Fort Bragg here that I went through the qualification course reached out to me. He said, Zach, what are you doing in Texas? What's going on? Mm-hmm. I said, hey, we're getting these ladies, these uh, these men and women ready for selection. And he said, well, I've got some land here in Fort Bragg. I think this is awesome. Um, let's do it on my land here in Fort Bragg. And so for the last few months, we've been kind of putting that together. Mm-hmm. So this weekend, uh, we're doing a two-day, one-night evaluation. It's essentially a prep course for these guys that are going in. What we found is that the de- the demographics here are a little bit different. Uh, we got a lot of people that are already in the military. Mm. And while this started in Texas, it was kind of dudes like me, guys that really had no zero experience in the military and that were interested in it. But when you move that to North Carolina, just based on location, we're bringing up a lot of guys that are in the Marine Corps. Or, or from military family too, probably. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. And that's something we'll probably find out tonight, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. It's not as dark and mysterious probably to them that's a very good point as well Mm -hmm. yeah it's probably not nearly as mysterious so we've got Mm -hmm. a lot of guys that'll fly in we've got people flying in from california and washington Mm -hmm. to this um Mm -hmm. but a lot of them are local on this on the east coast up and down Mm -hmm. and so they'll you know anywhere from 18 to 37 is usually what we see Mm -hmm. 
Um, and we'll take them through, you know, there'll be some team week stuff. I'm not going to give too many of the yeah. details away, yeah, but there'll yeah, be some yeah. team week stuff. There'll be a PT test. There'll be some yelling. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a class leader and a packing list and the class leader has been executing a lot of the stuff on his own mm. for the team and we'll separate them into different events. Mm-hmm. Um, we do the events that we do in Texas are kind of seal and special forces related. They're not very specific to special mm-hmm. forces or army. This one is very specific to Army and the Marine Corps. It's a land-based evolution. Mm. And our plan is for next year to open up one on the West Coast that's more Navy-focused. Okay. And so I've got three Navy SEALs that work for me. I've got three MARSOC Raiders that work for me. And I've got three Green Berets that work for me. And between that, I think that we're going to execute the plan on the West Coast next year. Okay, cool. And and basically, I mean, you can't, you can't evaluate people over a weekend, right? Or you Not can't prep them. You're, you're basically shining a light on it right and yep. kind of illuminating it a little bit and answering some questions and, and giving them a sense of what it's about i imagine right yeah we're, we're showing these guys that it's doable yeah uh, and we're also giving them you know some very macro principles that they can uh, start to drive into right now mm-hmm. to start moving forward on this yeah. you know you're gonna you're gonna be a team so when you start to get yelled at and you have a time hack and you're racing and you're exhausted and you haven't slept a lot you know, how do you, how do you behave? Yeah. Uh, and that's human, right? That's not necessarily special forces. Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking about thinking critically and widening your aperture so you can see who you are when things are crunched. Mm-hmm. And that's an important evolution. It's an important aspect of this whole thing that we're talking about. Yeah. We, you know, the, the, the soft community doesn't really care what you can do on your best day. They want to see what you can do on your worst day, right? Yeah, well said. Um, yeah. The, uh, that's cool, man. I'm going to go out here tomorrow and by the time this airs, it'll be gone. When's the next one after this one? No, no plans for the next one. So we're doing three okay. per year. Uh, we'll do three more next year in North Carolina, but we're going to figure that out on Sunday. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll, I'm going to go out there tomorrow and, and, and you know, you're going to be our guest speaker. I'm going to tell I'm, some lies. Man. I, <laughs> I haven't even made them up I'm yet. Gonna, see, the, good, the good thing about this situation is, is that, um, mentorship's huge. That's what we do. It is huge. And you don't mm-hmm. know this, but you were one of my mentors mm-hmm. because you were the guy that you needed to be for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, and I mean this, I may not be here if it wasn't for you. And so for you to come out here tomorrow night and, and kind of talk to these guys, it's going to be awesome, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. It's going to yeah. be really awesome because here's the reality is that I know there's there's guys in that formation that will become Green Berets, yeah, become Marsoc mm-hmm. Raiders, yeah, become you know Purple Heart recipients, Silver Star. It's it's happening, yeah, uh, yeah. and it's beautiful to me because I'm starting to see guys graduate now that yeah. we've had this thing for a few years. Mm-hmm. They're graduating, they're coming back, and they want to be involved. Mm-hmm. And so what you'll see is you'll see I think three to four students are going to come out around the same time that you're there and they're going to talk to some of the guys as well mm. that are in the course actively and I'm, I'm excited to be able to share the story of you with them it's gonna be really neat yeah so where can people find your your uh, your instagram yeah web page stuff like that so for the business operators association.com um for me zach hughes on instagram you know youtube all the linkedin yeah uh even tiktok now i mean i'm all over the place so if you just look up zach hughes you can find me you do tiktok you don't shake your ass and oh stuff, I, yeah. I do tiktok <laughs> listen hey it became very clear to me through elite meet that mm-hmm. um i'm in the business of winning if, yep. you, if you're going to go be a civilian go mm-hmm. be a civilian yeah right yeah. and so i i turned the page on this and, and let's be honest where are people winning in business it's social media yeah i'm, people, a, I'm yeah. acutely aware of that yeah and so i have a million followers on tiktok oh man with no with no ass shaking damn <laughs> um yeah people like i had no social media my whole life right and, and it wasn't that, that i thought i was a ninja i just right. I, I i'm a freaking private person but you know people now are like i can't believe you have, you have an instagram account i was like look it's guys like me who transition into the civilian world and can't adapt to civilian world that have problems. All I'm doing is adapting to civilian world and I see this as the next mission, right? Boom. That, and you know, I, I was like kind of nervous about it. Mike Glover's a master at it, right? 
So I did one post and I did two posts and I did three posts and my world didn't come crashing down, you know? <laughs> so it's like, and actually, you know, it's good. It's good reference for my kids because it's got some stories in there. It's got some. And That's people, life. Yeah. People meet me and they're like, you're exactly like you are on, on Instagram or YouTube or podcasts. I'm like, I, 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 there's nothing fake about me. You get what you ask for, man. That's it. That's and, the only and, way to yeah, be. It that's is. The only it way. Is. And then that's that's how you don't feel bad about it. Yes. You yeah. know what I mean? Like realistically, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people in our community, that's hard for us. Yeah. And how, what's going to make it harder is if, you, if you're pretending to be somebody you're yes, not. Yes, exactly. That's not going to work. No. That's not no, going to work for you. No. Um, so yeah, I joke about lying tomorrow night, but every story I've ever told <laughs> is true, man. Some of them are incredible. I told Andy Stump a story about Northern Ireland. If you, if you heard that podcast I did with him and he was like, and, and I, I, I don't know if he's even on video, but he was like, like his mouth is open, his eyes were open. He's like, holy crap. I've read every single post on your Instagram, just so you know. Every oh, single, yeah? every single okay. one. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm still learning, man. I'm still making up as I go along, but I, I try. That's it's all a we can holy do. world for me. Well, it, same for me, right? Mm-hmm. I, in 2019 is when I downloaded the internet. That's mm-hmm. when I downloaded social media because Google said, if you're transitioning out of the military, mm-hmm. well, you need to start a LinkedIn. Yeah. Roger that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm trying, I'm a civilian soon. Mm-hmm. It's time for me to start thinking like one. And that's how we scaled elite meat. We scaled elite meat on LinkedIn. Yeah. We started telling captivating stories about our time in special operations mm-hmm. and how that revolved around business. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not just shooting and moving and communicating. There's a whole thing we could do business development. We could do sales. Yeah. We could talk about operations. And mm-hmm. so that's how we scaled that organization. Yeah. 100% in my opinion, it was from on the backs of LinkedIn. Everything started changing. Our guys started getting hired. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you this. If I was ever hesitant to do social media, as soon as we started doing LinkedIn posts and our guys got hired, yeah. like men from inside of, uh, excuse me, Elite Meet started actually getting jobs from mm-hmm. our posts. Yeah. Guys started coming to our events. Guys started sponsoring the, the movement. It was right then that I knew that like, okay, I got to continue this because yeah. it's work. This we're winning. Yeah. And so it's been an evolution and now I'm kind of winning individually not so much for the, for the mm-hmm. nonprofit, but I know that's how we're doing it. And so it's important and that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I, I, there's still guys to get out and they refuse to do it. Come on, man. You're not a ninja. I, I, come on. You're not that cool. Well, you, you can you, do it. You can refuse yeah. to do it, but if you're going to try to start a business, yeah, uh, or if you're going to be, yes. you know, if you're going to do mm-hmm. things like that, well, then you're not you're not exactly doing it all. Yeah. You're not going all in on that, are you? Yeah, you're not. And we talked about how you just mentioned it, which was beautifully said. If you're going to pivot out, you need to attack the next thing mm-hmm. as much as you did to get that first thing. Yeah. So you need to be attacking civilian life as hard as you did to become a green beret. Yeah. yeah. And if you're going to go into business and you're not on social media, I would argue that you're probably not doing that very well. Yeah, you're not. And and you could be the greatest guy in the world. If nobody knows who you are, that's they're a, not going to hire you. That's a good point you too. Know? They're it not going to hire you. Hey, I know you got, got, got to get going, Zach. Thanks for coming by, man. I appreciate it. And I'll see you tomorrow. It's my pleasure. We'll see you tomorrow night. Okay. Till next time, stay alert, stay alive.